0: I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of training on Zwift is the community. Whether it's riding with new people you meet on the platform or riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you, on the trainer, in your garage, or your pain cave somewhere. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from and every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, and even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding on one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, And time trials. Right now, you can join the fun is fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer and the Zwift app. Get a free seven day trial, no strings attached at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik and from somewhere on vacation in northern Germany on the Polish border, we have Jens Volk. Jensie, how's it going?
1: I'm super good because I'm on a holiday, the weather is nice, the beach is good. I mean, we're not talking, you know, Florida style, but the beach is fairly good. Um, And I needed a break after, you know, working for the Olympics with Eurosport. I mean, the men's road race. My alarm went off at 2.30 a.m. I clocked in at work at 3 a.m. to be at 4 a.m. online. And I needed a break after, you know, doing the cycling events at the Olympics. So I'm super happy with the family holiday.
0: And how long are you staying on holiday then?
1: We had a short, quick trip to my parents' place. Um, And now we stay until Saturday, we stay here, and then we see, maybe we do a few more little day trips once we're back home, but we got a few more nice days ahead of us. Nice, nice. I
0: I had a great weekend. I I got to go to Colorado, which is where I was raised, and uh, do a gravel ride with um, our buddies from, from Outside Magazine, and it was phenomenal. I mean... Talk about altitude. We were like starting at 8,500 feet, going up to 10,000 feet, above 10,000 feet. And uh, I have to say, it was it was a blast. I mean, it's a long way to go to ride gravel because we do have great gravel riding here. But um, yeah, and then of course with the Olympics, I mean, trying to, you know, because of the, the time change, it's really hard to watch it live. So trying to find it on the TV before somebody tells you about it or that you read about the results online, but man, what amazing dominant performances we've seen so far in the Olympics. And, you know, we still got the the track to go. So that's going to be super cool. But yeah, the mountain bike events, you know, Thomas Pidcock and Yolanda Neff, um, you know, the road race was phenomenal. I mean, Carpass definitely earned, earned that one, but, um, What's your take on the, uh, the women's road race? That was, that was a, a huge surprise.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, nobody would have ever thought that in modern cycling, it's possible to go start to finish more or less and, and still make it, right? I mean, she was holding on for dear life in the front that uh, woman from Austria and she, she managed it. Um, I believe the Dutch team being so strong if they would have gotten the right information or the right information quicker, they could have absolutely still won the race or maybe even have two riders on a podium. But um, I believe it was just terrible communication, not enough information provided from the organizer. Um, and language barrier, maybe, uh, you know, uh, the people on the Japanese motorbike didn't speak proper English. They couldn't understand each other. There was a lot of little things going wrong. Otherwise, it would have been a total triumph for the Dutch team, I believe, in the women's road race. But yeah, the you winner, can't, super strong.
0: Yeah, you can't take it away from Anna. And how do I pronounce her last name? Kaisenhofer? Kiesenhofer. Kiesenhofer. Yep. I mean, Wow. That, that is taking the bull by the horns, attacking from the gun and, and staying off. Um, you know, kudos to her. And then uh, the time trial. Wow. I mean, surprise, surprise. Guys that were in the Tour de France crushed it in the road race. But man, seemed like the wheels fell off because the, the top three from the uh, Olympic time trial men uh, didn't. Finished the Tour de France or didn't even race the Tour de France. So, very very interesting. But a great win there by Primoz Roglic. Uh, great to see Tom Demelon up there. I mean, the guy takes you know five six months off, starts training for the Olympics just a couple months ago, and 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 gets a medal. And um, yeah, the ride that was one of the most impressive I've ever seen in you know for the women was uh, yeah a Bobby and Yen's alumni. Another one, uh, Annemiek van Lutten, Just absolutely crushed it. So it was so cool to actually see um, two of our guests from this year. And we also had Yolanda Neff on last year. So three Olympic champions were actually on this podcast.
1: Indeed. We were blessed with having so much talent on our show. Not talking about us, talking about our guests, of course. And yeah,
0: talking about talent, Jens, um, very... Very happy to have Bob Jungels. You rode with Bob Jungels. I never did, but he was obviously one of those young kids that came up from Luxembourg under the shadow, in the shadow of Frank and Andy Schleck, but has definitely carved his path in the the world of professional cycling. So, you know, we haven't heard so much of Bob Jungels this year, but sit back and listen to the interview that we had with him, because he explains everything perfectly. Okay, well, today on Bobby and Yen's, we are happy to announce that we have Bob Jungels joining us from Luxembourg. Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you guys? I'm doing great, but I just want to clear something up right away. Um, I'm the one and only Bobby J. So don't <laughs> don't try saying you know that uh, we have to call you Bobby J. Do do people call you Bobby J? <laughs>
2: Um, I
0: think when I was back with
2: Trek, uh, people called me Bobby J. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been a while. It's been a while that they call me that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be copyright infringement issues there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I mean, um, kind of a unique time of year. Um, we just wanted to catch up with you. Uh, you were teammates with Jens. Um, Mm -hmm. I've obviously followed you from afar as, you know, as a fan, but uh, give us a little uh, update on on yourself right now. You know you're in Luxembourg. What what's going on with Bob Jungels?
2: Yeah, well, at the moment I'm uh, unfortunately I'm at home. I'm not uh, not racing. Uh, not in Tokyo. Not uh, not been at the tour. Um, that was the the initial plan. But um, yeah, since since the beginning of the year I was uh, was basically I was struggling with uh, yeah with a. In the beginning, I thought it was a biomechanical issue, um, changing materials and stuff. So, but yeah, it was just something that um, hindered my um, performance, and and uh, I just couldn't um, couldn't perform like I used to uh, maybe two three years ago. And um, yeah, after lots of lots of testing, lots of um, trying, uh, right and left, we finally found that I had uh, that I have an iliac arterial endofibrosis which sounds quite, um, spectacular, but it's, uh, yeah, it's basically, I think it's quite common in, in, in the cycling world. And, um, so yeah, that's something that had to be, um, surgically, uh, removed or, or like the, the artery had to be cleaned basically. Um, and, uh, yeah, the whole progress comes with, uh, with eight weeks, um, more or less off the bike or no, no competition in those eight weeks. So yeah, right now I'm uh, five week, five five weeks uh, post surgery, and I'm um, restarting to ride my bike uh, very slowly. But um, yeah, that's why that's why I'm at home and not uh, not competing at the moment.
1: And so I suppose then the surgery went well, and you have your rehab program step by step. You go back. Are you ever want to race? somewhere towards the end of the year or you focus only on next year racing again or you want to maybe try like a little like a smaller race towards the end of the season what do you think uh is your your future there yeah i mean
2: uh, for me it would be uh like i said i i just restarted training very slowly uh, i actually have a checkup uh, checkup tomorrow with the with the doc so um he's going to tell me hopefully uh that i can continue to to ride my bike and maybe uh, even a bit a bit more than right now um so yeah I'm, I'm i'm actually hoping to be to be back racing this year still um hopefully maybe by by i don't know mid september um and then there's yeah there's still plenty of nice races to come uh obviously it's going to be different uh, racing than than if you would start a normal season i mean i know that i won't be uh, I won't be racing or competing for, for victories or, but it's, it's just, um, I think for my head, for my body and also for, for next season, it would be, would be quite, quite good to have some, uh, some races in the leg still,
0: you know, you bring up an interesting, um, subject with this artiliac or endofibrosis, uh, issue. You know, it's one of those like kind of silent things that just kind of creep up on you, right? Like it's not like a virus or an infection or a broken collarbone that you can really put your finger on it. But for you as an athlete, the, the you know, trying to self-diagnose yourself, I guess at the beginning when you're like, wow, you know, I'm not feeling as good or I'm not recovering as well. Or, you know, one leg is cramping up before the other one. Tell us a little bit about that um, just, just for our listeners, in case there's anybody out there that has this situation that hasn't really gone to through the extreme testing that you've had, like, what are some of those warning signs of, of this condition? Yeah.
2: Like you say, it's, uh, it's something that, um, it's very hard to diagnose, uh, diagnose with me took, um, like the first time now that I know how it feels like the first time I, I, I've. I had that feeling was probably three four years ago um so basically what happened was um yeah you just you just feel uh you just feel like your legs if you go above threshold um basically your, your legs start to to cramp and then you uh you lose your power um you just and then you stay you just stay below your threshold more or less um but your legs and your muscles they don't get that oxygen that they need uh, when you go uh, when you go super deep um but because it's something that doesn't come like a like a broken collarbone where you say okay it's broken so there's there's no doubt about it but here's um this just it, it doesn't mean that you can't ride your bike anymore but you just can't go as deep anymore and it gets worse and worse but it takes it takes a lot of time and so for me now i would and also the doctors they said it was yeah it was a case of, of of 3 4 years probably where this uh this whole thing was building up um and then so basically just like tissue inside the artery that's growing and growing and 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 um so you yeah you lose blood flow in, in into your legs and um um but yeah it's it's the symptoms are also not very clear so it's it's also what I said to to the doctor of the team, I was like, okay, but if I come back after the race and I say, yeah, my my legs were painful, then yeah, they, they might say, okay, it's, it might be normal in a bike race, but um, so yeah, it's a very tough um, process. It's been mentally very, very tough for me, especially um, because yeah, you just don't know what it is and your performance just goes down and um, yeah, you keep trying and you keep trying and for me the most important thing was that i i kept believing in my capacities i was i was sure that i could do better than i did those last uh, two three years so um yeah that's what kept me kept me in the loop i guess and kept kept me yeah trying trying to solve that problem and find uh, find the problem yeah
1: It's gotta be something like in the first year, let's say like three or four years ago, you miss 1% and you go, Oh, maybe I didn't train perfectly. You wouldn't really think it's that problem, right? The year after it's maybe 2%, you're still a very good athlete. You just miss a little bit. So it takes a while, I believe to realize it's, it's a deeper problem. It's a bigger problem. That's why, I mean, we had teammates who had that before and it takes a while to, to get the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, did you had both legs or just uh, just one leg or, or how did that work? I had it. Uh, I had it on both
2: legs. Actually, it was uh, it was worse on the on the right side than uh, than the left side. Uh, but I had two surgeries actually to get uh, the the problem the problem solved. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. I think both surgeries actually took almost three hours. So it's it's a big. Um, uh it's it's quite something. It's not a it's not a small um a small surgery or a small issue, that's why uh also the period of rest is is uh, quite long and, and required. But yeah, it's like you say, I mean you you don't feel it and you just start to like with me it was like I said, it was mentally very tough because um my whole let's say my whole career was always uh pretty much going going up, I mean and, and, and there was never a big issue. I was luckily never really um never really had any problems, health problems at least. Um so yeah, it was just very hard for me to accept at some point that I might not be one of the best anymore. But I yeah, like I said, I, I kept believing in my in my physical capacities and uh that's what um like I say kept me kept me in the loop. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very challenging, especially mentally. Um, and then also again, this year we, yeah, we tried, uh, we made all kinds of tests from, from, uh, 3d scans from the, of the, of the teeth and everything in the beginning, of course, we changed materials. So, um, I thought it was maybe a problem of a biomechanical problem. And, um, it's just, a yeah, uh, looking for a needle in a haystack more or less.
0: Yeah, that's so super frustrating. And, you know, thank you for for sharing that with with us and and our listeners. Hopefully it could help somebody out there. But let let's move back to like the beginning. Let's let's like liven this 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 up a little bit. Um, you know, we started I, I first started hearing your name through Frank and Andy Schleck when you were super young and um i'm just interested how your your cycling journey started and were the schleck brothers uh, a, a big influence to your career at the beginning yeah of
2: course i mean my um, my first my first um, steps towards uh, cycling were actually uh, because of a, a friend when i was very young i was six six seven years old um, so basically we're just, uh, in front of our houses, we were riding around with the bikes and one day he came up to me and he was like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm joining this, uh, this small, um, team here in Luxembourg. And so, yeah, we, we, we went to that kind of training, you know, like, uh, for fun, uh, like once a week and then everything started building up. And obviously in that, in that period we had, we had already, we had very, very good, um, Luxembourgish cyclists from the Schlags to Kim Kirschen to Benoît Joachim. There was plenty of, uh, plenty of strong, uh, riders on the highest level, which obviously made it, um, made that dream a lot bigger, uh, that dream of, of becoming a professional cyclist. And then, yeah, with me, it was, um, like I said, it was building up towards, uh, Towards a world champion title uh, with the with the juniors, and then yeah, I think that that dream of of uh, of joining a professional team just became uh, very realistic and very um, close. And then um, yeah, obviously it was the time where um, where Andy and Frank were uh, on their highest uh, highest performances and and um, highest level, so um that obviously gave a lot of motivation and then also in the beginning i had i had the chance to um to join uh in the beginning was radio shack leopard trek uh um that was my first my first professional team and i was yeah i was super lucky to to be with riders like uh, like the Schlecht, like Jens, like uh, like fabian and and um, actually a very um for me today, I can I can say that it was a very privileged um, situation to start my
1: career. Talking about that, in 2013, do you remember your 21st birthday? My 21st birthday. Because I remember, should I tell you the story? We sitting at a dinner table, and I go, Bob, it's your birthday. How old are you actually? And you pause dramatically to make sure everybody's listening <laughs> to you. And then you said, Jens. Precisely half your age. <laughs> I was forty-two <laughs> and you were twenty-one. Oh, we were laughing so hard. I still tell this where, story to where that? when you told me. Um you, well, you must have turned twenty-one. That must have been twenty thirteen with was, the Radio Shack Leopard. Yeah, it
2: wasn't in, in, in I mean my, my birthday is twenty second of September, so but I don't remember where where we have been.
1: I don't know. Maybe to of Poland in September. I don't know. It was some bike event. Yeah. Yeah. I had dinner with the team, yeah. <laughs> and you said, "Yeah, half your Asians. oh, that was painful, <laughs> but so funny, so funny." Yeah,
2: no, it is. Um, but it's it's for, to me, it's funny how fast such a, a career can just like move on, yeah. and it's it's unbelievable today. I mean, today we, if I'm, there, there's some races where I'm the oldest, and I'm I'm 28 now, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the oldest in, in the team, and then you're like, okay, something something is off here because, but it's it's I think it's it's a trend in cycling also that that um, yeah they, they turn professional much younger and and teams recruit younger riders and um, but yeah it's it's funny like uh, thinking about thinking about my my early days in um, in in the world tour this it's it's a lot of a lot of good memories actually
0: yeah and. You know that that's interesting because you were one of those young guns that kind of burst onto the scene and you know had had success very very soon and early in your career. What's your take on this this new generation of you know under twenty four year olds that are just you know crushing crushing the world of cycling? What do you think has changed, um, especially since you know Jens and I, our generation, you know you know rarely saw young guys, you know winning the Tour de France or, you know, winning, winning big classics. What do you think has changed, um, from your perspective with these young guys just blazing, blazing the trails right now?
2: Well, it, it's quite hard to, to say, but, uh, I think that, um, like the, the, the possibility, um, the possibility to, to have a professional environment and to have professional coaches and to train professionally as a, as a very young athlete um, it has become uh, much easier than true than true I mean through all the new media through all the new connectivity that we have everything has become so much uh, so much faster and, and, and just easier to um, to to grab and to understand also so. What I think is that, um, yeah, mo- most of, most of the junior riders nowadays, they, they are training in a, in a, at least a semi-professional, uh, infrastructures and environment. And, and to me, um, obviously those, uh, th- those riders that we are talking about now is they, they, they have an, they have an amazing engine. They have, they have a body that can, uh, absorb that, that training and, and, um, and also digest it um, and then obviously you, you just uh, kind of, yeah, you kind of explode uh, you, you, you know, like performance wise. And that's, that's my idea of the, of the whole thing um, in the end, of course, there's, there's, diff- there's, there's, another, another page to that. Um, no, yeah, another page to that, uh, to that story is it's, it's going to be how, how long can they, if, if it is the case that they, they, they started training professionally much earlier how long can they um go on with that that's yeah there's there's questions over questions but it's it's true it's it's obvious that there is there has been a quite a big change and um but yeah it, i think it's quite exciting to um to see because it it just gives the our sports a bit of a a rebranding like a, a different a, a bit more an aggressive way of racing and and, and much more interesting um look again so i actually see it very with with very
1: positive eyes yeah if you want to get more out of your free time sign up to outside plus for less than a dollar a week you can get a hard copy of valley news magazine choose two books a year from Press, access all the premium content from the whole outside family including yoga journal peloton magazine and backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word lowercase at checkout, you receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great now back to our chat with bob <music> do you think that um, you know maybe generation of bobby and me we overtrained all our life we maybe raced too many races too many race days too many miles and not enough quality I mean, there must be a key to the success of the young kids when they come up because they don't have 500,000 miles in the legs like I had when I was 35. It's a different training. Are you planning to change your training when you get back into fitness and uh, for the next season? Um, I think that uh, the, the structure has changed. Yeah, I mean,
2: um, you, you, you probably know you, you probably know best that like, back in the days or even when I started, uh, exercises and intervals. It was, it was something you would start maybe in, in March before the classics, and and before it was just ride your bike, do hours, hours, hours um, during during the winter, and and, and maybe a, a training race uh, with with your team uh, when you're in Spain together. But um, I think that everything has become so much more specific. There's a there's a detailed plan for every day. And that's not the, It's not only about training. It's about nutrition. It's about recovery. Everything is is. It's possible to measure everything today. You can. I mean, you can. Um, you can measure your, your glucose levels. You can measure your sleep. You can, everything basically. So, also to um, identify or just to, to see what, um, what your fatigue is at that moment. Um, it's everything is like I say, measurable. And I think those things compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago changed quite drastically.
0: You're talking my language now, you know, all the tech and all the data. Um, I'm interested, what, what are those new technical, technological advances that you are now using and maybe what are some of those, you know, pieces of tech that you wish weren't involved in the sport?
2: It's a, it's a tough question. Um, actually, I actually consider myself very lucky um to have seen the old school system. Um, I call it old school um because it's it's my old school. Um, and also to be able to use the new technologies now, and then you can kind of choose um what works for you, and 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 not use the things that you might say, okay, I don't need this or so I don't like this even. Whereas. All the youngsters nowadays they they only know this way they only know this way of training or racing. So obviously, I mean um, something very interesting for me is is um, and I see I see your T shirt uh, is is the glucose monitors um, that that's actually very it's super interesting uh, especially if you're interested and in, and in, in, in nutrition it, it's something. Um, something very helpful for for training for well in in racing it's not allowed and and i even think it i i think that's a good thing because you have to you actually have to to set limits to to what can be monitored and and um and and also influenced uh from the outside actually during a race so um like there's there's a there's a very critical balance, and I mean, um, to see you for example your core temperature, it's very very interesting, and um, so it gives you you have a lot of references now. Um, for me, for example, the, the sleep trackers it doesn't matter which ones, but um, they are very interesting as well, just because you can, yeah, you can you can see on the data how what your state of fitness is or recoveries or. Uh, if you had three beers the other night then then they might be a bit worse than uh, than the night before so um it is it is super interesting, but to me it's very important to uh always yeah make make your own mind up and 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 don't and not get lost in that um all that technology
1: one more question about this technology, um, when Bobby and me, we were racing, we had the road book or we just talked to some older riders. Nowadays, we talk to Michael Morkoff about it. He said, well, they use uh, Velo Veloviewer or, or Google Maps and uh, whatever. Uh, you look at certain uh, finish lines or the last 10, 20 kilometers, or you just take it as it comes, or, or how do you prepare your whatever, arrive at the tour stage or some of the classics? If I'm being honest
2: with you, um, I
1: hate it. <laughs> it is
2: now you talk my language. It is, I mean, it is super helpful. Of course, if you're a sprinter and you know, I mean, you know that, but, but those things, they're also in the, in the road book and, 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 but nowadays a team meeting in the bus, t- like it has, it takes one hour, whereas. When, when I started my career and we were with, for example, with, with Radio Shack in the bus, it took 10 minutes. It was like, this is the tactics we ride for this guy. The finish line, there's two corners in the end. It's 300 meters straight and that's it. Nowadays, we're talking from the start until the finish. You go over the whole parkour. So it's, yeah, it's, to, to me, it's just becoming uh, a bit crazy because all, all the kind of information you get uh, either before or before the stage or even in radio during the stage it might be useful but it's so much information that you can't even progress it it's it's at least for me I'm, I'm i'm actually yeah i'm actually happy when when we have a sport director who's not who's not too much into those things and you can still a little bit ride on your feeling and um on your um yeah just your how do you say like uh your your um what, what you have like the feeling that you had that you that you got when you were young when you were um like developing these these um race sensations and tactics and um but yeah that's something that that you see that's getting lost a little bit in uh in the bunch especially with the young the young guns
0: do you think that that knowledge and that uh you know, that everybody has those presentations now. Everyone, every sports director is looking over the fence and seeing that, oh, this bus has a big screen TV and they're doing basically an IT presentation before every stage. And then they're drip feeding you this information. Do you think that that knowledge is maybe one of the factors that's causing stress in the bunch, crashes in the bunch, and maybe even that... Uh, You know, Jens and I aren't in the Peloton, but we hear that there's just really no respect or control compared to back in the old days. And and a lot of that was ignorance was bliss, right? Like none of us knew what was coming. So we didn't really, you know, stress each other out. Now it seems like you guys are so stressed out that everybody's on the rivet. Everybody knows where that crosswind is coming from or that potential crosswind or that traffic island. And you got to go right and not left. You know, is that maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing so many, you know, crashes?
2: It might, it might be one of the reasons. Yes, um, I, I like the the phrase uh, ignorance is bliss" because I still, uh, I, I like to 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 raise that way, just on, on on feeling. But the problem is nowadays, if you, um, if you still. Raised that way, you're just like ten steps behind because everybody else knows what's coming up. So um, you have no choice. And um, yes, I think it, it might be one of the reasons why we see um, so much more uh, stress in the bunch nowadays. And, and um, because yeah, everyone every, everyone knows what's what's coming up. Um, obviously, the the, the stress in the radio um from from the car also gets uh gets higher there's there's um there's a general level that's much higher i think uh in the bunch that than maybe than maybe 10 years ago the, there's a the density of of strong riders is is so much um higher than i would say than, than, than a couple of years ago so um there's plenty of Plenty of things that that make uh, that make that 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 stress so much um, so much more intense, um, yeah. And and then obviously uh, there's there's other reasons. Uh, there's other uh, other things like like um, like the roads so or like like the um, yeah like the the, the 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 organization sometimes also fail to understand that the speed has gone up and 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 that there's two hundred riders coming towards the finish line. So there's there's plenty of things and it's it's very, um, I don't want to say it's easy to point out the problem, but um, it's much easier to find the problems than to find a solution because to, um, I think to eliminate those things, those technologies and, and the mentality especially um, is almost impossible.
1: And I believe also the equipment gets better. so. The riders might have the same power output, but the race gets faster because they got more aero wheels, aero helmets. They race in skin suits now, so the race goes faster and faster. Even though the riders might have just the same power output, and yeah, higher speed means higher risk. Correct?
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh, we still we still race on on more or less on the same roads than than ten years ago. But uh, like you said, the speeds speeds have gone up. Uh, if it, if you look at if you look at time trails or normal road stages, um, to speed we go, sometimes it's, it's just, uh, it's just ludicrous. And, um, yeah, obviously there's, 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 um, there's sometimes there's, there's just problems uh, like, like we, we saw it uh, in the first stages at the tour. Um, sometimes there's just not enough road for, for all the
0: riders. Wow. Um, what one thing, you know, you're, you're in a unique, um part of your career right now right like you have an injury you're forced to take a break um you have the potential to kind of start anew but one of the things that i saw in you as a rider was that you were incredibly versatile you know you were in the classics you know doing the pavé stuff being a being a teammate you know then you were winning time trials or getting top 10 in in the giro You know, that versatile, uh, and not to mention that you winning Liege-Bastogne-Liege, you know, like that's, that's, you know, that's like a climber's classic, but then you're also doing some of the pave classics and, and stage races. Um, Do you think in now in, say, like after this injury moving on, will you continue to um, stay as versatile or will you try to focus on one discipline or one? one area a little bit more.
2: Um, yeah, obviously the, this versatility is, is something, uh, it's a great gift. Um, but yeah, it can be, uh, it can be difficult also because, um, you might, yeah, you might struggle to, to find your peak, uh, during the seasonal, uh, or just do too much. Um, so that, that's, that was, that was my problem also a couple of years ago where I was just Um, yeah, I was, I was very, very strong in the classics. Um, and then I was tired for the Giro afterwards, uh, which which was more or less my, my main goal. Um, I think in the future I might, um, I might focus a little bit more again on, uh, on stage races, um, maybe not grand tours because also there, um, the, the, the type of riders, or the type of the grand tours, um has changed over the last years, I think, um, but especially races like, uh, like Tour de Suisse, like Paris, um, all those races actually, uh, I think suit me quite well. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the, I can't, I can't really let go of, of, of the classics. Um, it's something I'm just like, um, I like that very honest, on way, honest way of racing, um there's no, it's very hard to control for, if there's a stronger team, it's, it's very hard to control the race anyway, if there's, if there's one, one other rider who is just uh, above everybody else. So, um, I think it's just very interesting uh, racing wise, um, especially the, the Cobble classics, because, yeah i mean like like we've seen like we've seen the last couple of years that it's still possible to to win a tour of flanders uh, when you attack with 50k to go which yeah in a, in a, in a, in a stage race you will never do if you do if you go for gc or so that um aggressive and honest way of racing is something that i i uh, yeah i still like very much um, then on the other hand of course the grand tours are something that are very, very interesting, but it's more the, to me, riding for GC is just that, uh, yeah, striving for perfection. You have to, everything has to be on point. I mean, your preparation, your weight, your, everything has to be, to be good. And you have a very big advantage, uh, if you are a versatile rider, because you can time trial, you can climb and so. It is something that is still in my mind, but yeah, physically um it is it is tough for me i think with if if I'm very lean, I might be around 70 kilos, which is nowadays quite heavy for uh, uh, for a G.C rider, so um yeah, something uh, i might I might consider later in, in my career again, but um we'll we'll see about that.
1: I like when you, uh, the way you talked about the classics, because that's so true. If you look back at the last 20 or 30 years in paris Flanders, or even Liege-Bastogne-Liege, there's no lucky winner. Every single one is a super professional bike rider. You need a little bit of luck that everything falls in line for you. But there's no fluke winner. There's no bad bike rider winning these races. It's always a very, very good rider who deserves mm-hmm. to win these races. So I, I, I love that... Uh, attitude you have there that's true it's honest racing it's like okay it's men against men in the end and the strongest wins that's actually that's really that's really true yep.
0: you're you're 28 now uh what would you like to accomplish or what would you like to do what are your goals moving forwards for this next you know four six eight years and until you retire what haven't you checked off your your bucket list um
2: i have a very uh I have an eye on 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 the monuments uh, because they're all all five of them. I think might be achievable at some point. Um, so so that's something I I really I really, um, really want to uh, try to to um, yeah try to do um, do a result or, or or possibly win 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 the monuments. Um, yeah, and then on the other hand, I mean. Uh, world champion, um uh, winning, winning, uh, I don't know, maybe Tour de Suisse, Pyrenees, those, those races that, that actually, um, su- suit me quite, quite well. Um, this is, but I, I have to say that it's, it's the dream I'm, I'm working towards, but, um, for now I have to say that I'm, I will be very, very happy already if I just, if I can use 100% of my capacities again, because um that's something i really i missed and 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 just yeah that's so frustrating because if you i mean if you're at 100 percent and you get beaten by someone else then fair enough he was stronger but if you yeah if you just race with let's say 80 85 of your capacity then um it's just it's just very very frustrating so for me now uh, my first goal is to um yeah first of all get get healthy again uh get this uh this this problem sorted and then um yeah just be back to to my old to my old um, performances hopefully um that's that's my first goal and then afterwards we can talk about dreams
1: so um you have another contract right next year So that's got to be a relief. You got to feel safe. You have time to prepare, to work for it. You can plan your future. So that's good. Um, I had teammates who had that problem and they were like brand new riders afterwards. You just got to listen to the doctor. Don't overrush it. Listen to the doctor. And they were all like brand new, like Stuart O'Grady. He had another, what, another five or six years or eight years after Mm. that. And like, honestly, you will feel because also now that you have to take a break. Your body refreshes every cell of your body because that's the time now. You will see. You, you have all the reasons in the world to be optimistic about it. It will be 100% success, and you will feel a lot better and fresher. It's going to be good. I hope so. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks again, Bob. Um, I understand, because I went riding with George Hincapie yesterday, that you may be coming to, to Greenville in the fall for the Grand Fondo. Is that right? Uh, it is the plan for now, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we got to get Yenzi over here. You know, we get, we're going to have a big, big turnout because this is the 10th year anniversary of the Hinkapi Grand Fondo. So it'll be great to meet you in person, but, um, yeah. Hey, again, I'm the only Bobby J allowed at the, at the event. <laughs> so, uh, we'll have to come up with another little nickname for you. That's okay. I think we'll, we'll find something. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob, thank you very much. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, all the best in your recovery you know, time to put that parking brake all the way down to the floor and just roll out the carpet. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. And a huge thanks to
1: Bob for being our guest. Thanks for listening. Please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a VeloNews production
0: in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne. And this
1: episode was edited by tim moza please follow us on twitter and instagram at bobby and jens and share your cycling stories with us
0: i gotta say one of my favorite parts of training on zwift is the community whether it's riding with new people you meet on the platform or riding with old teammates The people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer, in your garage, or your pain cave somewhere. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from, and every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, and even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding on one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by but I still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and time trials. Right now, you can join the Fun is Fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer and the Zwift app. Get a free seven day trial, no strings attached at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast. And make sure to tune in next week because we have one of America's cycling's biggest stars.